Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson here with you, your host. And before I bring Aaron in to start our show for this week, I just wanted to again thank you for all for joining us. And I want to talk about some friends of the show here. If you are a collector like me, you are definitely going to want to check out these Facebook groups. If you collect action figures, etc., etc., check out one of them, which is called The Era. The Era is an awesome group. Um, some friends of mine, Mr. Archie Mitchell, Mr. Dave Duncan, Mr. Patrick Mancinetti, taking care of you with uh, wrestling talk. Uh, it's, it's, it's a community. They also have raffles where you can win Hasbro figures, um, WWE elites, um, different things like that. People uh, also sell, you know, so you don't get scalped by fuckers on eBay. Sell items um, on the page, on the group, uh, to each other. Fellow collectors. And uh, I really appreciate those guys. Great guys over at The Era. Join that Facebook group. And another one I want you to join is The Asylum. Uh, David Gold, Nick Francis, John, the Magic Man, Majewski, I can't say the last name. Those guys. Also, um, Hasbros. Also, WWE Elites. Also, many, many different kinds. Also, belts. You know, uh, Nick Francis with the belts. Anything you want to collect, you can get hooked up with these raffles. And again, they're great communities, these two pages. Wrestling fans, fellow wrestling collectors taking care of each other. A brotherhood, if you will. So, I cannot recommend these two Facebook pages enough. I am, mem- I am a member myself. Many collectibles in my house have been won in some of these raffles on these pages. These guys are good guys. Very reputable Never going to screw you over. Always going to have good packaging. Always going to get mailed to you with care. And um, if you're a collector, like I said, like me, The Era, The Asylum, two great Facebook groups to be a part of. So check them out today. Do not hesitate. There could be a great raffle going on right now that you're missing to get some stuff. Get a $50, dollars $300 figure for $5 in a raffle. I mean, it's a great concept, and both of these pages, The Era and The Asylum, doing a great job. I appreciate you guys. You guys rock, and thanks for rocking with me. And let's get this party started now with the We Can't Wrestle podcast.
All right, wrestling fans, and welcome to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate and Aaron are here with you for another another uh, less than two hours, right? <laughs> yeah, we're going to try. It might be a little, like, two and some change. Yeah, maybe. Well, I apologize for to everyone all, right off the bat for my... Uh, my audio sounding like I'm calling in from a bombing scene in Afghanistan or something to CNN, but having some... You're like Lee Marshall. <laughs> on the road. Here we got some weasel soup. Oh, the weasel and jokes. Be like, Bobby would just be like, why is that guy such a why bitch is, to yeah, me? Yeah, why does he hate me so fucking much? I haven't done anything to him. <laughs> Stagger Lee Marshall. That was my favorite part of it. That like usually like Bobby would no sell people like hating on him, but like the Marshall would talk some shit and Bobby would just be like, "What? What, what did I ever what do to I, him? What did I ever do to Lee Marshall?" Yeah. <laughs> and Lee Marshall was probably drunk at the time too, but heard he was a party animal. And so was Lee Bobby. Marshall. They probably drank a lot together. With Mean Gene, short arms, deep pockets. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great joke. Well, this week's show is going to feature... I heard you have them alligator arms there, Bobby. (laughs) This week's show is going to feature a top ten. We're going to talk underrated tag teams on this week's show. So I'm very much looking forward to that one. And I'm actually posting right now fan interaction for the page. See if we get. Yeah, we always record late, so you know we probably don't get the interaction we could if we recorded at two o'clock in the afternoon. But we both have real jobs, so yeah. <laughs> so have you watched Raw this week? I have not. Okay. So here's what I'm gonna say. Raw was distinctly very. I would say. I would say out of ten, I would give this week's Raw. An eight and a half, and I haven't given a raw a score like that in quite a while. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. I am probably going to watch it tomorrow after I um, get off of work. The That's goal anyway. The show was good. The it's a big week for wrestling right now. I mean, I know we don't yeah. talk about the modern product. It's a big week for wrestling, though. I mean, you got the Wednesday Night War starting up with NXT and AEW. Um, SmackDown goes live on Fox this Friday. Um, the AEW, unfortunately, I won't be able to say a lot about their show on this show because I am a ca- I am a cord cutter. I don't have cable, and AEW apparently, for as uh, modern a product as they are, and being associated with a huge billionaire and a huge TV conglomerate does not have a way that I can stream their show. And I'm not going to pay for I'm not going to pay for cable and TNT just to watch AEW show. Just buy uh, like TNT's like Amazon package if they have one of those. That'd be like a five, like extra 5.99 a month or something. Yeah, maybe. I'll I'll, I'll uh I'll see uh, highlights and stuff and see if the show intrigues me enough to do that. But <laughs> you I don't know. like my my Amazon add-on idea? <laughs> All right. Maybe I'll DVR it and 
um, review it. I, I would I like know. that. I would like to have an Aaron review of the AEW show. Because I've tried to be not an AEW hater, okay? Because I was telling myself I'm not going to judge them until they get, like, you know, I've said this on here before, I'm not going to judge them until they get a TV show. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm also, when I watch it, I've decided I'm not going to judge them until, like, January. Right. I hate when people watch something for the first time and just go, that was terrible. That was but. That sucked. You know? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. Because if you go to, like, 1993 and you watch, like, the first two months of Raw, they were getting it their was footing. Cool. Yeah, they, huh? were, they were getting their footing. They were figuring it out. Yeah, it was cool when it first started because it was a novel concept and it was live. But you watch it now, there's episodes of that show that are fucking terrible. Because they're trying to figure out what it was. It's funny you mention that. You know what the craziest thing to me? And it's funny now in hindsight. Back then, I didn't really think a lot about it, obviously, because we didn't have uh, we didn't have Raw as we know it now yet. But one of the funniest things about when you watch those first few months of Raw is think about how big a deal the Raw after WrestleMania is now. And that probably, yeah. I would say that started, the Raw after WrestleMania being a huge deal probably started in like either 97 or 98. But you watch that first year of Raw, the the Raw after WrestleMania is a taped <laughs> Raw it's got like yeah, bo- totally. boring squash matches. I don't even think they mention WrestleMania, or they don't mention the results. I don't think it's crazy. Like to think about it in yeah. hindsight. That's what I'm saying. So, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna judge them off their first show, unless like their opening match is like uh, pockets, like Orange Cassidy versus like Joey Janela. I'd be like, really? That's what you're doing. This is what you're presenting, is you know, because Nitro, yeah. say what you want about Nitro, but Nitro presented us with Pillman and Liger. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and that's a prime example too. Like Night, I know you're not like a huge WCW fan, but Nitro was cool. You know? It was intriguing. Yeah. Like I. But, I, but Nitro Nitro got cool in like '96. Yeah. Like from September to December, Bischoff was trying to figure out what he had. Okay, this is what people like, this is what people don't like, this is why they're switching, this is why they're staying. I got my footing and 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 I know it got really cool when the NWO showed up, but it was starting to get even better before, you know, Scott Hall came out. Now see here's my thing about Nitro that first okay, we're talking Let's talk about Nitro before May of 96 when Scott Hall comes out. It's funny to me because it seems like Nitro gets off to this hot start. And then, you know, you have the cartoony shit with the with the Dungeon of Doom and all that stuff going on. But whatever. It was still, it was still uh, uh, giving you something different from what the norm that the WWF had presented was. But it's funny to me because when I watch... When I watch a Nitro in, like, 
in April and May of 96, or I watched WCW in April or May of 96, I can't even fathom how shitty it would have been had the NWO angle not started. Because it was starting to get pretty, I, I don't know, it was just getting monotonous and silly and, yeah. bo- and boring. And and I think that, that the, I mean, the NWO obviously jump-started everything. But it's uh, it's interesting to think of what might have been, like, Nash and Hall stay with the WWF, you know. Could could Nitro have sustained without the NWO, or would we even have a, have had a Monday Night War? Possibly not, but it also... Just seemed, it just seemed like Nitro was losing steam. I don't know. It just seemed to me like they were losing steam before the NWO hit. I mean, you could also say the same thing for... And there's good matches on it and everything, but, like, the 1995 era of Raw. Yeah. It was pretty lackluster. Yeah, it was, it was pretty abysmal. But then you get into 96... And, you know, stuff starts... It's because people were... Somebody started chomping at Vince's heels. Mm-hmm. He needed it. Stuff starts uh, heating up. And it was, a, it was a very exciting time to be a wrestling fan. And I hope that... I hope that AEW does well. And I hope that that this is... I, I, I don't think... I think it's going to be... I mean, you know, WWE is putting NXT up against AEW. So they obviously see them as a bit of a, if, if not a threat, at least a nuisance. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be, like you said, I mean, you, you said give it a chance till January or don't, don't make an opinion till January. That's my thing on it is I want to see how things flesh out. Is AEW, is AEW going to be a billionaire pet project that he gets bored with and it phases out? Or are they going to, are they going to learn lessons and because I mean I agree with Jim Cornette, you're not going to make money on TV wrestling with pockets, you know. But if they can figure out what works and what doesn't, that is, and be an alternative to the WWE, that's the most important thing. Don't you know that that whole Cody Rhodes with the throne and the hammer thing? That's very WWE. That's, you know, you're say you're telling me you're something different, but you're not presenting me something different. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just, I hope that they figure it out. I really do. And that there's, there's guys on that roster I really like. I really like Cody Rhodes. You know, I really, everybody knows I love Chris Jericho. I really like Adam Page. I'm not a, a Kenny Omega fan. I'm not a Young Bucks fan. But, and Dean Ambrose. I'm sorry, John Moxley. I... They, they have some good talent on that roster, and I wish them all the best. I think, uh, you know, um, SCU, they're fucking fantastic. Yeah, and I think um, uh, like Kenny Omega, okay? I don't, I don't know a lot about, I, I haven't seen a lot of Kenny Omega, mm-hmm. okay? But... I think if I've seen enough of him that if he would decide to not try to be 100% what he is, he could probably be like a television star. If he would alter his style a little bit, Mm -hmm. 
and not try to be, I'm going to go out there and have, like, a video game match all the right. time. Right. And, you know, and I... Maybe, and, and maybe save that for, like, a big show or something. He would probably be tolerable. You know what I mean? Like, I, I would not... compare it to, like, um, I don't watch a lot of WWE right now. I'm trying to get back into it. But I'd compare, I, I'd compare Kenny Omega to, like, a Ricochet. Like, I would watch a Ricochet match and be like, that was really cool, but I wouldn't want to watch that every week. I would want to watch that guy do that maybe at, like, a... Like, the matches he was having when he was on the indies or whatever, I'd maybe want to see him do that at SummerSlam, but I not, I might not want to watch that on a Monday Night Raw. Right. See, and I think Omega has the ability to scale that back if the right person tells him, hey, you have to scale this back. I liken Kenny Om for me personally, this is just from my own personal, for me, the person that Kenny Omega is to me, as far as my fan interest goes, okay, is, to me, he's Sting. And that's for me personally. And here's why I say that. Because for me personally, I was never a huge fan of Sting. But, I, I respected the fact, or I acknowledged the fact that Sting had talent and charisma, and Sting could have good matches, entertaining matches for me, with the right opponent. Yeah. Like, I'm not a fan of, I, I didn't really care for the Kenny Omega John Moxley match. To me, it didn't mesh, it didn't work. But I do like a lot of what Kenny Omega did with Okada. In the match, Kenny Omega's he's like Sting. He rubs me the wrong way in in a way. But there's times where I don't, I, like I don't hate his stinking fucking guts. You know, I don't like. I, I hate the Young Bucks. I think the Young Bucks are hot garbage. They look like trash. Their their stick sucks. They're spot monkeys. They're not wrestlers. Omega like Omega I, can I, wrestle. Yeah. The the, the Young like, Bucks I, are like the anorexic Hardys. Well, the one looks like Mike Tanay. <laughs> it's like, you can't be a young buck if you have a five head. <laughs> and I don't like the young bucks either. And, and and that's my thing about Kenny Omega is... I know there's a lot of like hate that people try to put on him and everything. But I, nobody can tell me that... that Kenny Omega isn't talented. Right. I just think, like, if you would put, like, a... Um, how do I... Like, if you would have somebody like a, a Kenny Omega go in there with somebody like a Chris Jericho that could slow him down and be like, look, we're going to tell a logical story and a logical match, I think it would be... I think it could be really good. that's what I'm saying like I have seen Kenny Omega matches that I didn't hate but I've also seen Roman Reigns matches that I didn't hate um Omega is I guess my thing about Omega is I think that and it's again 
wrestling's art. It's subjective. It's personal preference. If you are out there and you are listening and you were Kenny Omega's biggest fan, fucking good for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Go for it. I mean, uh, there's enough fucking wrestling to go around for all of us. <laughs> there's a lot of product out there. Hey, have at. But, for everybody that for everybody that loves Kenny Omega, there's at least say there's ten people that like Kenny Omega or love Kenny Omega. There's gonna be ten people that don't understand why I enjoy Dean Malenko. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like oh, Dean Malenko had like me. I might say, oh, Kenny Omega does this this video game wrestling, and I don't like it. Well, those people are gonna be like, well, Dean Malenko had no personality, was always stone faced, and did a bunch of mat wrestling, and it was boring. And I well, can, I enjoy that, and, and I, you enjoy video game wrestling. And I get, I get, I can do you one better on that. People can shit on me harder than they can shit on you. They can shit on you for Dean Malenko, but they can really shit on me and be like, "What the fuck do you like the Warlord for?" I don't know. I just do. <laughs> because he looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know? he had like a silver mask and a fucking staff. Like I heard, I remember, I remember back in the day when he split off singles and got with Slick. Like I was probably the only guy that was like, "Man, I want a Hogan Warlord feud." Yeah. <laughs> it probably would have been terrible. <laughs> or, or even this, okay? Oh, you like Kenny Omega? You suck. Like somebody's like, "Oh, fuck you! You like Kenny Omega?" Like, how can I look at somebody and be like, "Fuck you! You like Kenny Omega?" Okay. But then I'm sitting there being like, dude, the honk tonk man was the shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you wanted to keep, compare athleticism, you couldn't even say, you know, you couldn't even compare, like, uh, a Kenny Omega to Wayne Ferris. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. But, I'm I'm a bigger Honky Tonk Man fan than I am Kenny Omega, but Honky Tonk Man ain't gonna give me a five star match. So how can I judge somebody for liking Kenny Omega when I'm a fucking Honky Tonk Man fan? And also, who are we to say what is a five star match? That's the other thing too about that. Like a five star match, you know, star ratings, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I joke around. We joke around when we're talking on the show. And we give, you know, something for Jeff Farmer yeps or whatever. But in reality, uh, Dave Melser or Wade Keller or anybody that does the wrestling newsletter or what have you, giving a match a star rating, is that, how, how, I mean, how relevant is that in real life? There's somebody, yeah. there is somebody, there is somebody, they probably live in Argentina or something. There is somebody on this planet that was Giant Gonzalez's biggest fan. And for that person and their entertainment, which is what wrestling is, is entertainment. For their entertainment, that would make Giant Gonzalez and Undertaker at WrestleMania 9 a five-star match. It, yeah. it wasn't to me. <laughs> but I'm, do you see what I'm saying? Like, to that person... I know what you're saying. That person... Or even... Or even to the audience that it's in front of. Like, 
if you go off like entertainment value and story, like let me ask you this: Have you ever seen a match with Hulk Hogan that you would consider a five-star match? In America? Yeah. No. I've seen. I've seen. Have I've seen. Ever, I've seen. I've, I've seen no, what I can do this. Okay. Let me do this. Have you ever seen a Ultimate Warrior match that you would say is a five star match? Personally, no. Uh, yes, no. yes. No. <laughs> yes, I have. Other than his match with Randy Savage. No. <laughs> All right, just forget that one for my point. Fucking point. But, could you say, for the story that the two men told in the match, and the crowd reaction, and the end result, you can't say Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania Six wasn't a five-star match? When I was 11 years old, that was the biggest fucking shit in the world. There you go. Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. Both titles. What? <laughs> yeah. And at the end of it, the people lost their fucking mind. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Was it a Mac classic? Absolutely not. But if you would go off of the story that went into it, the execution of the match and then the reaction of the ending of the match that's a five star match absolutely and you know what I'll say about that match too is that match honest to god that match is a match that you that anybody who you know you've got your 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 uh, your wrestling critics that like to shit all over Hulk Hogan that obviously ignore what he could actually do in the ring that have not watched him in Japan. Um, but you watch that match, and if any match he ever had should ever let you know that Hulk Hogan was not a one-trick pony. Hulk Hogan was a one-trick pony in that Hulk Hogan knew that this shit's making money, and I'm not getting injured, so why would I do more? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like, but Hulk Hogan wasn't a one-trick pony. That match in and of itself proves that Hulk Hogan was a good... Pro- he wasn't just a sports entertainer. He was a good professional wrestler. Yeah. You know, I mean, bell that, to bell. That, that, like and that's you, my point. You, like, make, refer- what, you what? make reference to all the time his match with Harley Race. What the fuck? It's fucking awesome. Yeah. You know? And what, what dictates a five-star fucking match? What dictates any star match? Like, there are there are plenty uh, of matches that 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 Dave Meltzer has given five stars to, or that Wade Keller has given five stars to, or whatever he rates it. That I've thought were not that great. They bored me, like, or whatever. You know? Like I'll put it this way: like, um, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, okay, WrestleMania twelve. They have a sixty-minute Iron Man match. All right, 
I enjoy that match. I I I I really really like that match. Okay. To me, that's probably the best Iron Man match there's ever been. And one of the things I like about it is that they went away from one of the things that I hate about an Iron Man match is that you have this Iron Man match and this guy gets pinned. There, there's multiple pins in an Iron Man match, okay? Right. So say there's a there's a 45 minute Iron Man match and a guy get pit a guy gets pinned like four times. Well, these two guys also had like a 20 minute match and they only got pinned once. Right. You get with the, you get where I'm going with that. Yes. What I really really liked about Sean and Brett was they went 60 minutes and there wasn't a pin. So then they get to the 60 minutes and then Monsoon comes out and goes, oh no, we ha- we must have a winner. And then Sean sneaks in the super kick and pins Brett quick. Mm-hmm. One, two, three. That's believable, believable to me that Brett Hart as a person as a man went to 60 minutes and then did not and then was like hey I went to 60 minutes this is done it's believable he let his guard down yeah he let his guard down gets kicked in the face and Sean pins him one two three mm-hmm. that's believable to me okay I love that fucking match love it but excitement wise the but if you if, if you would compare the 60 minute Iron Man match Sean and Brett and then you would tell me okay which is a better which is a more exciting match to you Sean Brett going in a 60 minute Iron Man match which is a fucking classic or the Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 6 You can only pick one of these as your favorite. You know what I'm going to pick? Warrior Hogan? Warrior fucking Hogan. Well, and I was about to... I didn't know where you were going, but what I was going to comment to that was... Alright, I am also a fan of the Bret Hart-Shawn Michaels Iron Man match. However, excitement-wise, because Bret and Shawn, you know, they did a lot of... They slowed down a lot. You know what I mean? And there wasn't a lot of bells and whistles and blah, blah, blah. But I would say their match was probably overall, wrestling-wise, the best Iron Man match. But the most exciting Iron Man match is Triple H and The Rock. Judgment Day. Yeah, they because have all kinds of there, there's, to yes, there's, there's, it's more fast-paced. There's more finishes. There's bells and whistles. Undertaker returns. Blah blah blah. So again, it's, it's all, it's all about okay in that moment. Was I caught up in that match? You're goddamn right I was. So on that night, was that a five-star match? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just, it. you're right. It's it's all subjective. Every bit of it is subjective. Dave Meltzer, Wade Keller, all these other pundits, they aren't an authority on what you find entertaining. And don't listen to them. Watch it and make your own opinion. Yeah, and... And I think that is a lot of 
Um, it's a lot of what happens with the internet fans and and internet critics. I just... They they glom on to what, and it's fine, but they glom on to what somebody that they enjoy listening to says. I, I don't know if you saw it or not, but I just posted in the, the um, and we've talked about the, the page and, and uh, Barry Rose's championship wrestling from Florida reunion and everything, so it's not a big spoiler here, but I just posted the other day, or yesterday, I think, in the Breaking Kayfabe Facebook group. I don't understand guys that feel the need. You talked about internet guys. I don't understand the guys that feel the need that when you're having a conversation on the internet about WWE with people that like WWE. I mean, I like WWE. Not everything they do. I shit on them on my own podcast, but that's my own forum. But my point is, these guys that come into these conversations about WWE just to tell you they don't like WWE. Like, what the fuck fuck are you in this conversation for then? Go away. If the the conversation is, what's wrong with WWE, let's talk about it. You know what I mean? If the original post is, hey, WWE sucks, what's wrong with it? Then let's, let's talk, but... When we're having a discussion about WWE and you come in and just go, well, I haven't watched Raw in 10 years because WWE sucks ass. Well, nobody needed your unsolicited fucking opinion. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's fuck like, off. Why does, why does it suck ass? And then they're like, well, uh, Dave Melter <laughs> told me so. Do you see what I'm saying, though? Like, what? I don't understand those guys. Like, what a waste of your time to talk about something you apparently hate. Go away. I agree. <laughs> Go to the New Japan discussion thread. You know what I mean? I don't particularly think New Japan's as good as people say it is. I, I, does it have good matches? Yeah. I mean, but it's not, to me, it's not the end-all, be-all of fucking professional wrestling. It's just not my. I, I I will watch New Japan stuff when I hear that it's cool and check it out and see if I like it or not. But I don't always see what these guys see in Japanese wrestling, other than the fact that they just want to be the guy that says I like Japanese wrestling. It, uh, I don't know. Another another thing I'm looking forward to, and then I'm gonna pee. Yeah, we'll take is... a break. Okay, well, we're taking a break now. We'll take a break when you're done with your thought here. And then we'll do our top tens. Uh, we'll do what? Sorry? Our top tens. Okay. And then we'll bullshit through the 500 till we're tired? Probably. Okay. <laughs> what I'm looking forward to, more so than fucking NXT being two hours on USA more so than AEW and more so than um, um, Fox Smackdown which did you you said you watched Raw yes they had a new commentary team which I, which I understand yes Vic, right? jo- Vic Joseph's really good is he yes uh, he he did the uh he did the last. I know he was on the two hundred five live. Yeah, he, well, shit. he did the last two uh, NXT UK pay per views also. Um, Vic Joseph. Okay, okay, you got your Michael Cole. All right. 
You know, I like Michael Cole. Well, I do too. No, no, no. But, I got on Michael Cole. But, no, no, no. But what I'm saying is you have Michael Cole, and then, you know, throughout the years we've had our Byron Sextons and our Tom Phillipses, and, you know, they're always trying to find their next guy, you know. Yeah. Vic Joseph, to me, is that guy. He is, to me, I actually like Vic Joseph better than I like Mauro Ranallo because, to me, Mauro Ranallo screams too much. I like Mauro Ranallo, don't get me wrong. But to me, he screams too much. He, I don't know. Marwanalo is funny because he's like the bastard child of Jim Ross and Don West. But I really like that Vic Joseph guy. That other guy, that uh, Dio Madden, can go away. Like <laughs> he can go away. He's he contributes nothing. He's kind of garbage. Is he the other commentator then? Yes. I don't know his story. I don't know a lot about him, but he can just he can go is home. Is it just those two, or is Renee Young on there too? No, Jerry Lawler. Oh, Jerry Lawler. Yes. If it was just Vic was Joseph it? and Jerry Lawler, I think Vic Joseph and Jerry Lawler, just the two of them, would be Did a great. Jerry Lawler team. allowed to be Jerry Lawler. He was. He was. He was kind of sort of this week. Actually, as a matter of fact, if you listen to the commentary this week, really good. He actually led. You know what I mean. Like he led the team. He led those guys. I know, but, but was he allowed to make like Jerry Lawler jokes? He made a couple. He made a couple. Because okay. Jerry Lawler jokes are the best. <laughs> and my saddest part about Jerry Lawler is that I think whenever they would have, whenever they have him on, I don't, I, I honestly think Jerry Lawler's not a fan of what's in front of him. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, that, and, 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 and I think I think sucks now. this it's this like, it's like no Jerry Lawler doesn't suck. What's in front of him sucks. This this week's show, like, this week's show has a lot more edge. It has a lot more um, excitement to it. Uh, it's a lot less sanitized, and you can tell Lawler likes it. It's to to yeah. your point, what you were saying, you can tell that Jerry Lawler yeah. liked what he was watching this week. And and I know you're not a fan of him. But it's, like I always said about, like, because I like Tony Schiavone. Mm-hmm. And you know I like Schiavone. Yes. But, like, 1999 through 2001, Tony Schiavone is what a lot of people remember or whatever. But it's like, you can't judge Tony Schiavone off of that. Because he had to sit through 1999 <laughs> through 2001 WCW. Of course he's going to suck. <laughs> What's in front of him sucks. You know what, what I mean? What, yeah, what is there to enjoy? And, yeah, and that's what I thought about Jerry Lawler after, like, 2005. He's going to suck, because what's in front of him is fucking terrible. Yeah. But what were, what were we... Oh, I was saying that, you know, AEW's coming on, all this shit. What I'm excited about is, and I saw that it's going to be on Fight TV when they actually start... MLW's pay-per-view? No. Oh, because that's what I'm excited about. (laughs) What I'm excited about is that Billy Corgan's NWA... Oh, yeah. ...is going to be on Fight TV. And I saw pictures... Me too. I saw pictures of what people were posting, and it looks cool. Mm -hmm. But honestly, what I really want them to do is... I know having the set... 
like that, you know, and the flags and everything is like nostalgia. That's cool if they do that the first couple weeks. But I, this might sound stupid, I don't want it to be complete nostalgia. Right. The first couple weeks would be cool, but then I really hope that the NWA keeps the studio wrestling vibe, but gives it its own look. Yeah, its own new twist. Yeah, like, don't rely on just having the flags and the guys in the blazers and all that shit, because then it becomes hokey. Mm -hmm. It becomes... We can't think of anything other than what somebody did before. You know, and, and that's the thing that bugged me a little bit, bugs me a little bit, a little bit about AEW. Like, they wanted to be like, oh, we're AEW Dynamite, and they, they had, like, their thing that looked like the, the Nitro set. It's like, or the Nitro, you know, graphic Logo, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I get that. But pick two or three things that worked in the past, but then make it your own thing. Yes. I don't want everything to be a fucking throwback. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Put your own spin on... That's what wrestling is. Put your own spin on a classic. I yeah. mean, it's like Raven but said. I, there's seven I, I wrestling storylines. Right. It's like Raven said. There's seven wrestling storylines. You just put your own spin on that storyline. But just don't make it look exactly like... Like, I don't need fucking um, Tom Lawler cutting the same exact promo that Ole Anderson caught or cut in front of the same set. Make it original. Eventually. Mm-hmm. I don't need Tom Marquez to go, Go ahead, kiss her! Kiss her! Kiss her on the mouth! <laughs> so, anyway... <laughs> The last thing I want to say before we go to break. Actually, with Tom Marquez, it'd be like, kiss her, kiss her, kiss her on the mouth. I'm really nervous. Um, the the last thing I wanted to discuss, we, I, I jumped the gun when you when you referred to the NWA. I, I, I subscribed to the WWE Network in 2014, the day it launched. I have not paid cash money for a pay-per-view since. So just to show you the interest that I have in this promotion, and everybody knows because I've talked about it ad nauseum, how much I love MLW. MLW's pay-per-view in November is going to be the first wrestling pay-per-view that I have bought in over five years. I'm excited for it. I love that fucking promotion. Like, they're, to me, they're the little engine that could, in this whole big fucking wrestling thing, this boom or whatever we're about to embark on, MLW is still my favorite promotion, man. I, I love MLW. And I'm going to buy their pay-per-view. They're going to get my fucking money, you know? Well, from what I've watched of it, I enjoyed it. And I will buy a pizza and come over and watch it with you. <laughs> that's, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. It's reasonably priced. <laughs> I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't buy the pay-per-view, but I brought over eight slices. Let's watch this shit. Well, that being said, we'll take a break, because uh, apparently Aaron has What's to the, pee, and so do I. Uh, what is it called? Uh, that, jo- that 
group with uh, Joe Zafatu. The cartel? Yeah. Is it cartel? No, it's not cartel. I fucking brain farted. Um, <laughs> Contra. <laughs> I said yeah, cartel. It's Contra. Contra. Contra unit. And I like that. I like, uh, I like, uh, MJF and all those guys. They're cool. Yeah, I just, I like MLW's presentation. It's a good one hour wrestling show. It's Teddy not, Hart picked on that guy's jacket. Oh, man. Funny shit. And, and it's That's funny good. shit. It's not crappy WWE comedy either. It's like, it's actually yeah. like, well, I mean, you know, the hearts are funny anyway. But, and Brian Pillman Jr. and, and Tom Lawler. And, I mean, you know, it's it's before, before he went to uh, ROH, which is dying a slow, horrible death. I quit watching that promotion six months ago. Uh, before he went to them at, at PCO, you know that's where that's where Carlulette got his 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 uh, new lease on life was in the MLW. So, but anyway, we'll take a break, and when we come okay. back, we will have our top tens. We're gonna top talk top ten overrated tag te- uh, overrated <laughs> underrated tag teams on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. I have gotten a couple of responses on the Facebook page, too. Don't worry, guys. We will mention your suggestions as well. And we'll be right back after this with more of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Alright wrestling fans, welcome back to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate and Aaron here with you. We're going to discuss underrated tag teams in wrestling history here in just a moment. But just want to get these shameless plugs in first. Don't forget that you, uh, if you like this podcast and you uh, want to listen to a non-wrestling podcast, you can listen to one that involves my wife, Aaron's sister-in-law, Kendall, the Motley Soup podcast, which Aaron... Constantly reminds me he has not been invited on yet. Yep. Um, Won't listen to it until I'm a guest. <laughs> that's bullshit. <laughs> it's not bullshit. You've known me for 36 years. <laughs> it's like Hogan saying it's not going to work for me, brother. <laughs> you have known me for 36 years. Oh, shit. <laughs> but anyway, you can find me. I am a egotistical. <laughs> I shouldn't say egotistical. <laughs> Motley. I'm a very me. I am a very me-centric person. Motley Soup, M-O-T-L-E-Y Soup podcast, and that is available just like this one on any podcast app that you listen to. You can also listen to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and uh, just like this one. If you don't want to download it to a podcast app, we are now available on Spotify. The last plug I want to give, well, actually, second to last plug. First, the next one I want to give is, if you're not a, if you're not a member of our Facebook group, get in the group, join the fun, talk some wrestling. You can interact with the show. And invite your friends to join the group. We, uh, we appreciate your support, and we would appreciate their support. And the last thing I want to talk about, Aaron... Our good friend, 
Barry Rose, who hosts another great podcast, the Breaking Kayfabe with Bowdrin and Barry podcast, which is fantastic, and you should absolutely check it out. November 9th, 2019, Aaron, I don't know if you and I will be able to attend because we both work retail and it is the holidays, and who's got money to go to Florida? But if you do have the money to go to Florida, then you can attend on November 9th. It's the CWF Championship Wrestling for Florida Legends Fan Fest. Yes, I might start selling drugs now so we can go. <laughs> hey. <laughs> What's well, going to be a, a joke? It's going to be a town I think has a funny name. Lutes, Florida. Lutes. Yeah, like, okay. I'll say this. When I said that I was like, not an egotistical person. Like, <laughs> I thought about this by myself the other day. And I even posted it on my personal Facebook page. It was, I'd rather be single than happy than in a, than in a relationship where I have to share my thoughts and pizza for my entire existence. Like, being in a relationship is just, it's daunting. It can be, if you're not in a relationship with the right person. Well, hey, even if it's the right person, it's like, you know what? I'm just just trying to watch Dexter. I don't want to talk to you about how I feel. Or I'm just I, I, I'm just trying to eat my pizza. I don't I don't want to tell you how my how this pizza makes me feel. Before you expound on that more, let's get back to Lutz, Florida. Okay, sorry. The Marriott Residence Inn in Lutz, Florida, off the Suncoast Parkway. I like that Barry limits the tickets to 150 tickets to the show because it gives you the wrestling fan. Just so much more of an opportunity to have a one-on-one personal interaction with the legends of wrestling. Like, the guys that are going to be at this fan fest. Barry Windham, J.J. Dillon, Rocky Johnson, Dutch Mantell, Kendall Windham, Tony Gurria, and many more are going to be at this show. So if you are in the Florida area or you can make it to Florida on November 9th to join this show, it is going to be awesome. Barry Rose putting on the CWF Legends Fan Fest. You can get tickets at eventbrite.com. Just go to that website and search for CWF Legends Fan Fest 6. And Aaron will attest, Barry's a good dude. And uh, he's, he's, one of good those, dude. he's one of those guys promoting a, an event that is not going to fuck you over with his event. That's for sure. He's also a cool dude because if you're on his group pages and you got a question for him or you want to ask him can I do this or can I do that on your page he actually answers you back yes yes he's not he's not he's not in the air up there yeah he's a cool dude so uh, like I said if you have the opportunity on November 9th 2019 check out eventbrite.com search for CWF Legends Fan Fest and uh, get a ticket to this show. I think it's going to be awesome. That being said, Aaron, do you have anything you want to talk about before we get into our top 10 this week? Uh, just 
pick three numbers. Three numbers. One through five hundred. Ah, we're going back to the PWI five hundred. What year is that from? Uh, ninety-two. Nineteen and ninety-two, and my number, my first number, I'm going to pick is two hundred Seventy two. Yes, sir. Two hundred and seventy two is Super Destroyer number two. Super Destroyer number two. This is is this the ECW Super or the TWA Super Destroyer number two? Yes. Um, he's six seven. He weighs three hundred and thirty nine pounds. He's been in the business for three years, and in nineteen ninety one, he was not listed. Um, he's an amazing athlete. Dot dot dot. <laughs> See a- him lumbering to the ring. You'd never guess he could do cartwheels and flips off the ropes. Super Destroyers are ECW Tag Team Champions, and they're managed by Hunter Q. Robinson. Robbins. Sorry, not the Robinson. Third. The third. Robinson, the third. Or as Terry Funk called him, Hunter Q. Robbins, the turd. <laughs> are you a sissy? The. Are you a sissy? Do you know what I? You know what I think Hunter of? Hunter Q. Robbins, the turd. Do you know what I think of when I see that incarnation of the Super Destroyers, the TWA slash ECW incarnation? What's that? Boy, you got a panty on your head. I think of Raising Arizona, because they look like they got a panty on their head. They got a panty on their head. (laughs) How many many more numbers am I picking here before we get into our top ten? Two or three, you decide. Let's go with number 110. 110. In the 1992 PWI 500. 110. Modern wrestling fans have no idea the impact of the PWI 500 back in the day. But anyway, go ahead. Kanoka. I'm sure I mispronounced it. How is that but, spelled? Huh? How is that spelled? K-O-K-I-N-A. Kokina. Kokina. Is it Yokozuna? Yes, it is. Yokozuna. And at this time, at this time, he was 6'3", 340 pounds. He had been in the business for eight years. And in 2000, or 2000, in 1991, he was ranked 148, the biggest Samoan wrestler ever, dot, 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 has entered the WWF with many of his Samoan relatives, has been a major star in Japan and Mexico, incredible big smash lays out folks. In, like, less than a year, this guy was, like, the biggest dude in the WWF. Yes. Not and saying right, size-wise. And, right, like, and rightfully know. so. Like, if there was ever Yoga a guy... If there was, if there was ever a guy that deserved to ascend as quickly as he did, it was him. Like, I mean, for from 1993 till probably... Or, I don't know, from 1992... 
until probably when he left for a while at the end of 94, after the, the Undertaker feud. Yoko was the shit. Yes, absolutely. I mean, and, and the team with Owen Hart really, you know, I mean, it kept his, it kept his career alive being able to do that when he had gained so much more weight and couldn't move like he could. But you go back and you watch Yoko or Kokina or whatever, you go back and watch him from, you know, 88 until probably late 94. That dude was up there with Bam Bam and Vader as probably the best big men in the business. Like, a guy that big had no right moving like he did. Absolutely not. Um, he had great matches with Brett. He had great matches like, with Brett. He had great matches with Taker. Yeah. Fucking dude had a good match with Virgil. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. You know what I mean? Like, even for a squash match, that's a good match. Like, they're, it's fast. You know, it's not plotting. Yeah. It's not. It's not plotting. It's not boring. Even even the the three and a half or four minutes that him and Virgil did was exciting. Like it was. It was different, especially at that time. It was different. You didn't see a guy that size move like that. Other than again, other than like Bam Bam and Vader wasn't even really exposed on the large stage yet. At that yeah. point, at least in America, I mean, I'm going to be honest. In 1990, he, he, in 1992, I was not extremely privy to Japanese wrestling. We didn't have and fucking Vader, high speed Vader, internet back then. Vader's different than Yoko too, in the fact that this guy that looks like this shouldn't move like this. Because even though Vader was was big, Vader was muscular fat. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yoko was just fat. And and he shouldn't have been able to do the shit that he did. Absolutely not. Like, he, was a, Vader, he was a marvel. Vader was a big dude, but he looked like an athlete. <clears throat> Yokozuna was a guy that you looked at him and you're like, he's not he, he's not gonna be any good. But then when he went, you were like, "Holy shit, this guy's fucking amazing." And the the funny thing is, the thing that I the match that I always point to when I when I want to talk about Yoko's absolute ability, okay? Because Yoko was in the ring with some of the greats, some of the great workers in wrestling: Bret Hart, The Undertaker, Hulk Hogan, Owen Hart, Randy, Randy Savage, um, uh, the British Bulldog. Um, I'm just saying, like, he was in the ring with some of the great workers in wrestling. However, the match that I can point to that shows you what a great worker he was for the size that he was is the SummerSlam 93 match with Lex Luger. And the reason I say that is because for a man his size, watch that match, know the talent, or limited talent that Luger had. Luger had good matches with good, great wrestlers. He had good matches with Ricky Steamboat. He had great matches with Ric Flair. He had great matches with Bret Hart. He had great matches with Kurt Henning. And he had a great match... Yes, and he had a great match with Yokozuna. In any match that Lex Luger ever had that was great, he was not the leader. I'm just saying. 
So, that being said, Yokozuna, you know, led that match. And a man that size leading Lex Luger to a great match. Because that match at SummerSlam 93, other than that bogus-ass finish, that silly finish, that's a great match. Yeah. Um, th- that, to me, that's, that's the biggest testament to his abilities. And it goes back to what we were talking about, where what's considered a five-star match. Exactly. Like, if I told you, oh, would you consider Lex Luger versus Yokozuna a five-star match? No. If you just said Lex Luger and Yokozuna were in it, but then when you watch it, are you entertained? Thoroughly. Is the 2000, or the 20,000 people there into it? Fuck yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck yeah, they are. That's a five-star match. You know what I mean? Yes. You want to pick two more numbers. All right, two more numbers. The next number I'll pick is 417. Oh, my God. Yeah, we're going deep. Deep cut. It'll be funny if it's, like, just incredible or some shit. Not by that name. 417? 417. In the 1992 500. 417, you said, right? Yes, sir. This is a guy none of us are going to know. I don't even know this guy. 417 was Nick Tarantino. Didn't he direct Pulp Fiction? (laughs) No, that was Tarantino. I, I know. This is his what, brother, was it, Nick. Wasn't he in NYPD Blue? Oh, no, that's Nick Turturro. That was okay. Nicholas Turturro. <laughs> this guy, this Nick Turturro, or Tarantino, is hey, a Nick newcomer. Nick Turturro, by the way. Nick Turturro. Under... Underrated wrestling celebrity, Nick Turturro. That dude loved being at WrestleMania. Like you watch wrestling, you, you watch. You Wrestle- thought people cared for him. Yeah, but listen to me. You watch WrestleMania 11, and like Nick Turturro, like I don't hate on Nick Turturro because Nick Turturro generally is enjoying being there. You know what I mean? Like he's having fucking fun. You can tell he's a wrestling even though, fan. Even though he looks like a chunky potato. <laughs> Tell me about this, this Nick Tarantino fella. This Nick Tarantino, he's 6'2", he weighs 230 pounds. He's been in the business two years. He wasn't listed in, two, in, in 91. And probably not basically. in 93 either. Probably not. Um, he's a newcomer. And soon he'll be he's managing, a right- managing a Dairy Queen. He's a rising sensation in the Maryland area. So is Syphilis. Yes. His nickname is The Shark. No comment. And apparently the reason he's called The Shark is because he's long, lean, and mean. I don't know what the fuck that means. He's considered... He's considered a contender for several titles 
and he also seems to have a long career ahead of him. So my next pick is yeah. number 56. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I'll, I'll try to find him on Facebook. 56. 56. Let me get there. Jesus. You let this shit go off the rail with picking that Nick Turner Tar- guy. Nick Tarantino's like, I'm going to be a big star in wrestling. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> Which, by the way, is one of my favorite scenes in movie history. David Carradine and Uma Thurman. I'm just fucking with you. Yeah, I'm just fucking with you. I love that fucking scene. Oh. <laughs> you know, For Kendall what, hates those say? movies. Huh? She, you know, Kendall hates those movies. She hates the Kill Bill movies, and I don't understand why. Like, how do you hate these movies? They're fucking amazing. I like the one where... Um... God, they're fuck. I love those movies. I watch them like twice a year just because. I like the one with the bride when she kills all the the little Japanese people in the fucking restaurant or whatever. That's the second one. See, I watch them as one movie, so I can't. But when I watch them, you know what I mean. When I watch them, I just watch them all together, like as one movie. I think that's in the second one. But God, I love those fucking movies. Anyway. I said 56. They're not my favorite Tarantino movies. Oh, no, they're not, they're not like my favorite Tarantino where, movies. I do like that scene where she kills all fucking crazy 88s. Isn't that what they're called? Yep. I like that scene where she murders all them and the fucking blood stripping and shit. That's good stuff. I, I like the shit with her and Daryl Hannah in the trailer, too. Like, the second movie's probably the better one just because of all the revenge, you know, because you're watching the movie to see the revenge. Yeah. But Carradine's amazing in those movies. But anyway, 56. 56. And then I'll read this one, and then I got a P, and then we'll go over our top tens. How's that sound? Sounds like a deal. All right, number 56. He's got a fanny pack. I'm just saying I've never met this person and I never will. Okay. But he's got a I know he's got a fanny pack. And he's got a beautiful mullet. Oh my. And a great goatee. You wanna make a guess? Fanny pack mullet goatee. Ninety two. Is it Kevin Nash in one of his iterations? Nope. DDP? Nope. Oh, I'm out. Make, um... Two more guesses. Fanny Pack Goatee. 92. Flowing Mullet. Flowing Mullet. Scott Hall didn't have a goatee. I'm trying to think of fanny pack guys. Because everybody had a fucking mullet. Uh, Joey Mags. Nope. <laughs> Tom's... No, Tom's... Uh, like, uh, what the fuck? 
team guessing. I'm gonna let this commercial. I'm gonna let this commercial play. And you're gonna say it. You're gonna know who it is. Tom Zink never had a goatee. Say Jimmy Garvin. I know, Jimmy Garvin I know. Fan. Jimmy Garvin never Garvin had a... wasn't even the Jimmy Garvin wasn't even in the Bad Street video. But I don't remember Michael Hayes having a goatee. You said goatee. I always remember him having like a beard. He had a goatee, a full, like a full beard, like a like even a chin strap kind of beard. Michael Hayes, charismatic yes, as what, fuck. This is Michael what they Hayes, said about Michael Hayes. Michael Hayes is one of those guys that. Not a great, I mean, not a great wrestler. Let's be honest. You watch Michael Hayes, bell to bell, not a great wrestler. But he captivates you anyways. Like, what a charismatic... He's up there in the top five to me, charismatic-wise, with Dusty and Hogan. I'm talking about charisma. The Rock. With his fabulous mullet and hairy nipples. (laughs) he he, He brought you in. This is what they said about him. Founding member of the Freebirds, he and Jimmy Garvin have been in have been WCW and WCW US Tag Team Champions, but they're floundering. Yeah. <laughs> they're on Bad Street, baby. Yes, famous for his DDT and preposterous moonwalk. <laughs> it was a bit preposterous. Who called him the Stay Puff Marsh- Marshmallow Pimp? Was that The Rock? That was The Rock. Michael Hayes, man. He's like Dusty Rhodes. Like Mike Tyson said, he's 70s black. <laughs> I'm just saying. like uh, Michael Hayes, like I said, to me, Michael Hayes is one of those guys that, honest to God, I'm just not a big fan of in the ring. Like, bell to bell. I'm not a fan. Like, you watch the Freebirds in World Class and even early WCW. He's not he's not the ring guy, but he is the charisma guy. You know, like, Buddy Roberts and Terry Gordy were 20 times the wrestlers that Michael Hayes was. But Michael Hayes brought that fucking charisma. I mean, he just exudes, like, he sweats charisma. If you could c- 
collect his sweat, you can have charisma. Or chlamydia. <laughs> That's a bad street, USA. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, Michael Hayes... One of the best talkers and one of the most charismatic. I would put him in the... We need to do a top ten most charismatic. But spoiler alert, he would be up there in my top five with charisma. Maybe, again, not maybe not ring-to-ring wrestling talent, but charisma. Michael Hayes just exudes wrestling talent. Or charisma. What? I would agree with that. Okay. I was just putting the magazine away because we're going to do our top ten after this. You yes. Know? After I pee, and it said um, 275, which I know you didn't pick. 275 is a wrestler called White Cloud. Okay. Charlie Norris? No. No. It says 275. And then his description goes, No! Not the toilet paper. <laughs> Tag this team. is a very fun... Huh? Tag teams with Charmin in Maryland Independence. Yes. Or, I'm sorry, Charmaine. Their manager is Angel Sauce. She's pretty. But it goes, White Cloud. No, not the toilet paper. This very fine Native American competitor who recently captured the IWCCW tag team title with Dancing Wolf. Collectively, they're known as the Sioux Warrior Party. I don't know why that was so fun to me. It is fun, and I really did think that was fucking Charlie Norris. Who I call Fat Fat Tonka. He was that lazy fucker that... Whenever I see him, I'm like, oh, look, it's Fat Tonka. (laughs) Number 500 was Morgus the Maniac. We already talked about that in a previous podcast, Morgus. Okay. So we just talked PWI 500, top 500 from 1992. And now we're going to roll into our top 10 list for this week. It is top 10 underrated tag teams. And we will discuss some picks by some of our listeners as well that have responded to my post on Facebook. So thank you, Ashley J. Smith and Michael Herrick. Aaron, you saw their, li- you saw their picks. Are either one of those picks on your list? No. So let's discuss those first. Let's get the listeners some attention first. Michael Herrick says, and I didn't think of this team, but he's right, the Southern Boys slash Young Pistols. I did not think of them either, and I should have. That's Steve Armstrong and Tracy Smothers. And they had some phenomenal matches in the beginning of the 90s with the Fabulous Freebirds. Yes. There is a really, really, really good match between them and, and the Freebirds that have clashed with the champions. That's super underrated. It's a great match. 
And you know what? To be honest, they did an amazing subtle heel turn too. When they, yeah. you know, they just like they went from the wild-eyed Southern boys to the Young Pistols. So they went from the Confederate flag to being from Wyoming, and just kind of disowning, almost disowning the Southern heritage in a Southern wrestling promotion. Yeah. To something different and. It is, like, if you watch it happen, like, if you watch WCW over time and you watch it happen, it's one of the great subtle heel turns ever. Like, and they're both fantastic wrestlers, fantastic workers. Maybe not the great greatest promos, but a great call by Michael Herrick there on the Southern Boys, because I totally agree with that, and I kind of wish I would have put them on my list. Me too. Um, and the other one is from Ashley J. Smith, who says the rock and sock connection. And the only thing I will say to that, Ashley, is I don't know. Those guys get a lot of attention, so I don't know if you'd say they're underrated. I guess as single stars, they get so much attention that maybe the team does get underrated. I don't know. Like, they just had such a charisma together. Uh, I'm not disagreeing that they're an underrated tag team. Um, I don't disagree with bringing them up because together they were so entertaining. Rock and McFoley, just so entertaining. I don't. I I know they were a tag team per se, but they're like a. Um, they were never put together to be a tag team. Right. That was going to, like, carry the division. They were more of a tag team that was going to carry along the storyline. Mm-hmm. You know? It's almost like if you would say, oh, the Rockets not connection, and I'm not um, disparaging um, Ashley's choice, but it would be like, oh, well, okay, the Rockets not connection was an underrated tag team. So are you going to tell me that Steve Austin and Dude Love was an underrated tag team? Right. It was two singles. Or Steve, Austin, or Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels, because they were the tag team champions. They're an underrated tag team. You know what I mean? Two, like Two main events. Two main event, like you said, two main event singles wrestlers put together to advance a single storyline. Yeah. But I will not in any way disagree that they were enter-fucking-taining together. Oh, they were. They were super entertaining. Whether, whether, whether they be... I don't a, think they're an underrated tag team. I would say The Rock and Sock would maybe be an underrated storyline. Okay. Because it was kind of near the end of Mick's career. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely a, a good call by Ashley J. Smith there to bring those guys up because it was super entertaining. Uh, there there's there's those there's those um those pairings in wrestling. Hogan Savage, Rock Austin, um Cena Edge. Um I think it's silly Flair, that Flair Sting, they just have a charisma together that I you think can't it's... deny. I think it's silly that Hogan and Savage 
were never like tag team champions. I think I think that comes down to the fact that they weren't they weren't together during the era of hot shot booking where you just change titles willy just, nilly. Just from like a Saturday night's main event to a Saturday night's main event. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like why couldn't they have just like had a match? Like, why couldn't have like Hogan and Savage fought demolition? Yeah, fought demolition and just beat him on, like, a Saturday Night's Main Event. And they were, like, tag team champions together for, like, a hot minute. And then they, and then just figure out a way to, like, drop it back. I don't know. That just... But we can go along our... We can go to our list. The only reason I could say they probably didn't was because, like, who gets pinned? Yeah, well, that, and like I said, it wasn't... It wasn't the age of that type of booking either. Like they didn't, they didn't cross, they didn't uh, cross pollinate a lot the tag team with the singles yeah. wrestlers. You know, like looking back on watching shit, you know, what, like my what I thought would have been like a really cool NWA NWA angle would have been. What's that? You know when Barry had his U.S. US championship? Right. And he and Ronnie Garvin were the tag team champions? Uh-huh. Or, oh, sorry. Ronnie Garvin. I misspoke. Ronnie Garvin. Am I saying it right? Ronnie Garvin had a singles title, and then he and Barry... Won the tag, won the U.S. Tag Team Championships. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. So, and then Ronnie Garvin gave up the. It was the national championship, correct? Yes. Ronnie had the national championship. Him, him, and Barry won the tag team championships, and then Ronnie had to give up the national championship, or keep. The tag team championships. You couldn't have both. Because the NWA bylaws said this guy can't hold two belts. So Ronnie gave up the national championship. And then they went out and defended the tag team championships against the Midnight Express. What I thought would have been cool, if I ever told this story. No. And in my mind. What I thought would have been fucking cool was Ronnie Garvin was like, you know what, I got this national championship, but me and Barry, we have the U.S. Tag Team Championships, and I don't want to take the championship away from Barry, so I'm going to give up my national championship. So he forfeits his national championship, and now he and Barry are the U.S. Tag Team Champions. And Ronnie's given up his national championship. It's going to go into like this tournament, and he can't even join it because he's the United States Tag Team Champion. And tonight, we're going to defend our United States Tag Team Championships against the Midnight Express, which they did on the show. And then, as the show goes, guess what happens? They lose the title. They lose the fucking titles. And Ronnie Garvin is just like a motherfucker. 
and and is super fucking mad and just decks Barry Windham because he's like, you know what? I gave up my meal ticket to all this money because I had this North American championship and I turned it over because me and you were going to be the U.S. champions. And then... And you would have to have you would have to have Barry take the pin in that match to chicane. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Barry had to and like Ronnie Garvin standing there like motherfucker. I gave up this fucking national championship so I could be a champion with you because I didn't want you have you to have to forfeit your title too. And you just got pinned, and then he just decks the fuck out of that guy. And then two weeks later, you know who he walks out with? Jim Cornette. Jim fucking Cornette. <laughs> Would have been fucking great. And I wouldn't have had to listen to uh, Ronnie Garvin talk, so that would have been <laughs> fucking great. All right, so number uh, number ten on number done. number ten on your underrated tag teams list. High energy. Ooh, shit! I wish I would have picked them too. That was a great tag team. Coco pulling his shit up like Urkel. But anyway, no. I'm, you, get, you get past their tights. Or not tights. That was just a joke. You get past their I outfits. agree with you. That was just a joke. Fucking Owen Hart and Coco Beware was a good team. Man, and the, the name sounds silly but they were high energy they went out there they got you going and they were high flying as fuck and I just I really enjoy high energy and I don't think Survivor Series 92 they have a great match with the head shrinkers yeah and I I really think Owen Hart and Coco Beware worked well together and I never saw them have a match that I was like oh that sucked Right, absolutely. Um, they were uh, they were very charismatic together, and they fit. It didn't. It was one of those teams that didn't seem like it would fit, but they fit. So I would definitely say high energy is up there. <laughs> What? Nothing. Okay. I just I I'm a high energy fan. I enjoyed those guys. So the first one on my list, and I don't think I think that I think that one of the things that one of the reasons that they don't get enough attention, or I would call them underrated, is that were they were in a promotion during its dying time, and to me. In that promotion, during its dying time, they were the most entertaining thing. And that is the team, with their manager of Sherry Martell, of Buddy Rose and Doug Summers. I've only seen a few matches of them. I I actually, I, I, probably, I'd say 15 years ago, I, I watched... Their matches with the Midnight Rockers. So then I went back and I, I you know, YouTubing and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Over time, I've, I've watched a lot of their stuff on YouTube. And as a team, like I was never a big Buddy Rose fan. And to be honest, 
until I started looking back on wrestling history, I knew next to nothing about Doug Summers. But at the end of the day, together, they are, uh, with Sherry as a package, they are fucking amazing. Like, they have great promos, they have great matches, they just... They, and, and of course, everybody, you know, the Midnight Rockers feud is, is the biggest center of attention, which absolutely it should be. But those guys are terribly underrated. They don't get talked about enough in, in circles in wrestling history. I think that they are one of the most underrated tag teams ever. Uh, if you get a chance to go back and check out their work, I definitely recommend it because um, definitely underrated. Not, a, not in enough conversations as a tag team. Because of the fact that they were, they were, they were probably the best thing in a promotion that was just fucking dead. <laughs> I mean, honestly. All right. You got. I know. I, who you got next? I know. I, I know. I've seen, obviously, seen that um, bloodbath of the showboat. Yeah. I've seen that, and and. I've seen other, um, I don't know a lot about Doug Summers, but I've seen Buddy Rose stuff. Not just the blow away diet thing, but yeah, I've I was seen say, shit. Well, go... shit with him in like Portland or whatever that I enjoy. So Yeah, if you go back and watch Buddy Rose before he got really obese, like Adrian O'Donnell, he, he is like Adrian O'Donnell. Like, before he got really obese, he was really good. Like, he wasn't built. He wasn't, you know what I mean? But he was just a great performer, a great promo, a great wrestler. Um, I, 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 liken, I liken people him say, to Adrian Adonis. He just let himself go. And I get mad. People are like, oh, Adrian Adonis got fat, and then he sucked. It's like, no, oh, that guy got fat and was still good. <laughs> but he wasn't what he was before he got really fat. Yeah. Like because 80, he was skinny. Well, right, I'm just saying. Like 80, 80, 83 and 84 Adrian Adonis is much better than 87 Adrian Adonis. Okay. I like leather vest Adrian Adonis. I like flower shop Adrian Adonis <laughs> better than... Yeah, I, like can't, an... I can't say I do. and I And I'm a WWF guy. But, yeah, I, I, you know, going back in time, and again, going back in time before you really got into wrestling when you're, like, four years old or whatever, I can't. But going back in time and watching it, like, I, I watched Leather Best, Adrian Adonis, and God damn, he's good. So good. We got off topic. All right, in the, in the ring, maybe. But as, like, entertaining-wise, I enjoy homosexual Adrian Adonis more. <laughs> Like we but talked anyway, about earlier, wrestling is subjective. <laughs> anywho. Number nine on your list. Homo Adonis is better. <laughs> um, it's um, Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart. Yeah. I enjoy the shit out of Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart. With fucking Deborah as their manager. It was a good act. It was like I was talking about with Summers and, and Rose. It's, you know, you, you take the whole act together 
and it's really good. And they didn't because because of the unfortunate passing of Owen Hart, they didn't even get enough time to show you how great they could be. But just as an act, as a team, they worked tremendously together. They were a consistent, awesome deal in the Attitude Era together. Mm-hmm. And I just... They were, they were two guys, and it might be stupid, I don't know, but it's two guys that you could tell enjoyed working with each other. Much like Owen, work. yeah, like Owen and Davey, like the same yeah, kind of, and, same kind of um, dynamic. Yeah. Like, you take a team like Davey Boy Smith and Lex Luger, okay, on paper... That should be a tremendous team. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. But you put them out there and they have no chemistry. None. Because <laughs> Davy Boy did not want to work with Lex Luger. And Lex Luger probably didn't want to work with Davy Boy Smith. Yeah, Lex probably didn't even want to be in a tag team. But the Allied Powers on paper should be fucking amazing. But they were a turd in the punch bowl because they didn't want to work together. But Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart wanted to be out there together, worked well as a team, and enjoyed themselves together and had really good matches, in my opinion, or as good of a match as you can have in the Attitude Era. And I think Owen and Jeff don't get enough attention and folks, I'll tell you what, this is a really a really a testament from Aaron because he doesn't like Jeff Jarrett. As a singles wrestler, no, I don't. And it, it's one of the benefits of the Attitude Era, I guess. It's one of those things that's a benefit of having such a deep roster is you can take two really, really good singles wrestlers because you don't... you have It's so heavy at the top. You know what I mean? So you can take yeah. two really good singles wrestlers and put them into this fantastic tag team. And they give them a really shitty, yeah. shitty match at WrestleMania 15. Not their fault. Nope. But anyway. So the next team on my list is Haku and Tama the Islanders. They should have been the tag team champions at some point. In that era? Yeah. In that era. They had good matches with the fucking Rockers. They had good matches with the Rougeos. They had had good matches with the Bushwhackers. Like... I understand that, but I don't know if they should have been the champs. No, I think they should have had a run of the champs. Even if it run as the champions. Even if it was a short one. Um... Just to screw a babyface team out of the title or something, you know you got like, the, I will, I, I, the Islanders with Bobby Heenan. That's that's, your, that's a great act. It is, but I don't know if I'd put them over like Strike Force, The Hearts, or Demolition. That's why they're underrated. <laughs> I, I know. I think I'm that, just. I think that. 
Okay, alright, let's say the hearts is baby faces. Or demolition as baby faces. Like you were talking about with Hogan and Savage, I think that they should have had a run as the champs from Saturday Night's Main Event to Saturday Night's Main Event. Okay, maybe... maybe Like a short reign. Been... As they, they, they never... They didn't have bad matches. Like, they were always on. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just... I don't know. I just think that that team's underrated. And, and again... They might be underrated because of the fact of what you brought up in that era. You said in that era. Like, they were a great tag I, team in the I'm biggest not... sea of great tag teams ever fucking put together. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, I'm not saying they're not underrated. I just don't know if I would have seen them with the belts. I think that for... Maybe if they wouldn't have had Bobby as their manager, maybe I could say that. Say that, but I think that with Bobby as their manager, to be the the fucking you know, uh, elbowing you in the ribs manager, to take the titles from a he from a babyface champion tag team for three or four months, I think they could have done a great job with the belts. Maybe. They were the Samoans reincarnated before the head shrinkers. You know? Yeah. That's all I got on that. That's all I got on them. Okay. So, next on my list would be and it's I'm gonna pick this team because it's kind of it, it kind of doesn't kinda it really directly goes into what you just said is the faces of fear ah they're on my list not anymore they aren't Haku and the Barbarian man those guys were consistent they were consistent as fuck in WCW in the mid 90's like but 96, 97, 98, they were consistent as fuck. And if you listen to the stories of what people say about them, terrifying motherfuckers. <laughs> like, Mang, if he didn't like you, would just eat your nose and rip out an eyeball. Yeah, just, there you go. Here's your, here's your body parts for dinner. Yeah. And then if, if you watch episodes of Nitro, fucking Barbarian would just take a guy and... Throw him. Throw, <laughs> throw him at Haku and just see if Haku would catch him. They had great matches with Nash and Hull, Harlem Heat, the Blue Bloods, you name it. The, I, I dare anybody... High Voltage... Like, even squashing high voltage, Haku and Barbarian were impressive. I dare anybody to go watch a Faces of Fear match and tell me, damn, maybe not again, back to what we were saying earlier, maybe you're not going to say that was five stars, but you're not going to tell me it was a shitty match. Because those two were pros, they made it look real. And they should have had a run with the WCW belts. Like I said, the Islanders should have 
with the WWF belt. The Faces of Fear should have been the WCW Tag Team Champions. Absolutely. Forever. <laughs> like, they should have won them on September 7th, 1995. Or whatever Nitro began. And then lost them. Or not even lost them. Just held them until fucking April 7th. Or whatever the last Nitro was. Fucking Faces of Fear were the goddamn shit. You will get no disagreement here, my brother. And the best part was they would beat the fuck out of people. And then they'd just play that soothing music at the end of it. <laughs> and talk shit in a language you didn't understand. It would be like... <laughs> but like, the soothing... Fucking... <laughs> Rainforest music would be playing, and they just play butter, butter, butter. <laughs> uh, so next on my list, because we agree on the faces of fear, uh, is another team I wish would have got a run with the tag team titles, and I wish they would have beat Demolition for the tag team titles. Even though I love Demolition, underrated tag team. Main event performers, we're going to meet one of them this Saturday, the Twin Towers. Bossman, Akeem, and Slick was a fantastic fucking wrestling oh, act. Yes, it was. And... That was a great gimmick. Bossman, we've discussed on this show before, is one of the best big men ever. Akeem, say what you want about one-man gangs, slash Akeem, slash whatever... That dude was fucking cool. Like, yeah. that gimmick was cool. People dog it now, or Meltzer would dog it. And fuck Meltzer, you know. Akeem was entertaining. Slick, boss man, Akeem. Those two gimmicks didn't even fucking go together. <laughs> like, if you think about it outside, like, they're, it's awkward. Uh-oh. Sorry, what? Twin Towers are underrated. They don't get talked oh, about enough. So Two great performers with a great manager. In what some wrestling elitists would call a silly wrestling gimmick. But what I call fucking gold. And you can go oh, fuck yeah. yourself if you don't like the Twin Towers. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> fucking Akeem being like, I'm going to be the first black... <laughs> <laughs> he went on our he went on our And a black man going he's gonna be the first black world heavyweight champion and then a fat white Hick. hillbilly defending them. None of these people should be together. But they were great together. But every single one of them believed that this shit is the way it is. You, you know what I mean? Like, yes. Yes. That is fucking... The Slick... The Slick. The, slick. the Twin Towers. <laughs> the Twin Towers was Slick. This ultimate heat. Yes, and they had a great feud because with Hogan and Savage. Those three when those three people walk out together, 
or at least I shouldn't say when, like, like not now you wouldn't, but at the time when those three people would walk out together, you get all the heat. Uh-huh. Black people would be mad because Slick, who's an African American, is walking around with these two white guys. Okay. And he's put one of them in a dashiki. Yeah. And then some uh, some other white people would get mad because this white officer of the law is saying this guy's alright and he's walking with a black guy. And now there's a white guy that's telling you that he's black and he's going to be the first African American champion. Now, white people that don't like black people are going to be mad because this white guy's saying he's black. And now the black people are going to be mad because this white guy's saying he's the first African-American champion. And they're going to be mad at Slick because he's a black guy. And he's saying, oh, man, he should be supporting this white guy that says he's black. It's fucking amazing. It is. And they had a great few. We talked about before in the history of this show. And they've had they had the, one of the, the great second... the great rivalries in wrestling history is Hogan Savage leading to WrestleMania five. These two guys were the heels that they feuded with during that build. And they have the third best wrestling theme ever. <laughs> and Akeem falls out of the fucking ring. <laughs> That shit I showed you where he was on Arsenio Hall. Yes. Getting it. And they played Sledgehammer or whatever and he starts dancing. He fucking lived the gimmick, man. It was great. <laughs> so there you go. Twin Towers. On my list of underrated tag teams. Alright, so that's the Twin Towers. Aaron, who's next on your list? Um... The next one on my list would be the Orient Express. They were also on my list. The Orient Express, the Orient Express slash Bad Company. One of my favorite tag team matches is from the 1991 Royal Rumble. It's the Orient Express and the Rockers. And that match will be forever in my mind one of those matches I watch at least two to three times a year just to watch the match like it's tag team it's like butter on bread it's just it's amazing and they're amazing Pat Tanaka and Paul Diamond great tag team absolutely um not as I'm not as familiar with their stuff as the bad company but I've seen enough of it to know that the greatness was there even before Paul Diamond put on the mask. You know, a, a fantastic tag team. Crisp, smooth. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure Pat Tanaka wasn't offered the main event of WrestleMania or whatever. But <laughs> yeah, he entertained millions. Entertained millions, he did. And I've decided to go through and watch 
early ECW because we didn't have that growing up, you know? Yeah. And those guys in ECW, they, in like 94, had really good matches. And in the 90s, the early 90s in WWF, New Orleans Express came out. I paid attention. I enjoyed Kato and Tanaka with Fuji, and I just really liked the Orient Express. Great tag team. I dare you to find a bad tag team match that either one of them ever had. And I'm not going to say they never had, either one of them ever had a bad singles match. I think they're, they're, they are definitely tag team wrestlers, but as a tag team, they were fantastic. Yes. Another team that I think is underrated next on my list, and I, I almost think it's because of the, the time period, because business was down, um, and they just don't get enough recognition. That's uh, the Quebecers. Oh, they were on my list. Well, there you go. Jacques and Raymond, uh, especially... When they were with Johnny Polo. Johnny Polo. Yes, sir. Raven. But those guys had amazing matches, amazing charisma, fucking amazing heels. The only thing that ever that ever happened with the Quebecers that was bad was when they put them on commentary on Raw. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Jacques Rougeau fan. Me too. I know he's supposedly, I shouldn't say no, supposedly he's hated in the wrestling business because he has a big mouth or whatever. But if you just go wrestling-wise, I'm a huge Jacques Rougeau fan. I love the Mountie character. Like before he became, you know, a Quebecer. With Pierre, I enjoy the Mountie character. I think the Mountie character is an underrated character in wrestling. Yes. Like, uh, this might be stupid, but I think if the Mountie character would have been portrayed, portray, portrayed properly and booked properly, could have been the, like... Honky Tonk Man of the 90s. Well, yeah, there's a lot of similarities there. A lot. Over the top, braggadocious. Yeah. Um, Like, like the Honky Tonk Man's character was a Elvis impersonator who had no no idea who Elvis was. Mm -hmm. The Mountie could have been... The I am the Mountie, but then like had no idea what a fucking Mountie was. Right. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh no, I'm not, I'm not making fun of the Mounties. I don't know what you're talking about. You know that type of thing. And then yeah, you give him like a fat one with no eye. Like <laughs> it, it makes it better. They had great matches with the Steiners. Uh, yeah. They can. It was. It's funny because I almost liken them to. It's gonna sound silly until I explain it. You talk about a boom period. 
you know, the 1980s boom period and you have demolition. And then business cools off and business settles down. And the consistent tag team during that down period, much like demolition during the up period, was the Quebecers. They were like the down period demolition, if that makes sense. They had great matches with Brett and Owen. Uh, 1-2-3 Kid and Marty Jannetty. Uh, the Steiner Brothers, who they passed the torch to in a way. They were, and, and in the early, in the early, um, the early six to 18 months of Raw, like you look at Raw in 1994, the Quebecers were the main event. Like they were the big deal on Raw. You know, when, when, when shows were divided up still, kind of territory style, where, you know, this guy's on Superstars, and this guy's on Challenge, and this guy's featured on this show. The Quebecers were were like the lifeblood of Raw for six or eight months. Yeah. Just an amazing, charismatic tag team. Totally underrated. I'd agree. Next on your list... The Blue Bloods. Eaton and Regal? Yep. Sir... Sir Robert... Sir... Ah, I can't stop. Robert of Eaton. Yeah. And Lord Bobby Eaton and Steve Regal. Two of the great hands, two of the great workers ever in wrestling teaming together with Bill Dundee as their manager. Um, crazy, sir, crazy, sir Robert, stupid, great. Sir Robert, the Earl of Eton. <laughs> That's it. The Earl of Eton. Yes. Technically, I don't know if you're going to find a, uh, you know, I mean, the Hart Foundation, but technically, I don't know if you're going to find a better tag team than the Hart Foundation. Nope. And and Bobby, like, the reason that I would put them on my list is they had great skits. Mm-hmm. And it was a, like a downtime in WCW where it was just WCW was putting out pure shits, okay? <laughs> and to an even lesser extent, WWE wasn't putting out the, the WWF wasn't putting out the best stuff either. But in like 94, 95, fucking Stephen Real and Bobby Eaton put out great shit. Lighten it up. Whether it was in the ring or just fucking stupid promos, they were great. Great heels, great matches. <laughs> like, like, Regal and Eaton would have like their manservant go out there with them, and Regal would like smack him around. As Dusty Rhodes called him, Jives. Yeah, like Regal would smack Jives around and like push him to the ground, and then and then Bobby was just like a nice hillbilly, and he'd be like, "Oh man," and he'd like pick him up. You know, it it was good shit, and it was super entertaining. And then they'd get in the ring and they'd have a great fucking match. With anybody. With anybody. They had they had good fucking matches with Public Enemy. 
And it was even good when Dave Taylor was added to the mix. Yeah. That, that guy. Squire, Squire Dave Taylor was good. Yeah. Good stuff. So the next team on my list is uh, a more recent team, and I think that they're underrated. The reason I say they're underrated is because maybe because it's a modern team, and and maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe maybe um, modern wrestling fans would say they're rated exactly as they should be. But because most of my conversation happens in circles of people that watched wrestling in the 80s and 90s, and in those conversations, I don't think these guys get enough attention as a fantastic tag team. Come with the Bushwaggers? No, I'm talking about the bar. Sheamus and Cesaro. Oh, they work great together. Those guys are fucking fantastic together. Peas and carrots, man. Yes. And, and I just don't... I think that if we... The reason I say underrated... Is that they don't come come up in conversations enough today. But I think 10 years from now, people are going to look back and say that is one of the best tag teams ever. They're just... I've seen them live together. I've seen them on TV together. Mm-hmm. And they're a little... En- I shouldn't say little, but they're like entrance together. It, it fucking works. Yes, and, and I mean, Sheamus... It's funny because Sheamus wasn't... Like, when he first came on the scene, he wasn't a guy I thought was going to be really good. And he he absolutely was. And Cesaro, I mean, nobody can deny Cesaro in the modern era of wrestling is one of the best wrestlers ever. And I just think as a tag team, um, I mean, even the beginning of their team was one of the better stories that WWE has told in, in, in 15 years. You know what I mean? Like, these two guys feuding, and then they realize, well, fuck, we're, we're both badass. Let's team up together. And, yeah, I, I just, I really like the bar, and I don't think that, that because, because, because older wrestling fans in the modern era like to hate on modern wrestling, I don't think the bar gets enough credit for how really fucking good they are, or were. There's nothing else on them. Who's next on your list? Next on my list is uh, the Smoking Guns. <sighs> the reason I put them on there, okay, mm-hmm. is because tell me from like 1993 until 1995 a more consistent tag team act than those guys there might not be one there isn't and I have put this on here a couple... I, I, I put this out a while back. I think, honestly, Bart Gunn, if you take away the fucking brawl for all shit or whatever, 
Bart Gunn is an underrated fucking professional wrestler. And I think if you go with like 1995, I don't want to say it, not, maybe not 95. Go when the smoking guns come into the WWF, all right? Mm-hmm. They're riding their horses, doing their shit, and then they become the champions. So the smoking guns win the titles, and then the, they were the consistent great tag team in that division from when they won them in like 93 and they came in riding their fucking bowls and all that shit. The smoking guns were consistent and were really good. I would say in that era of WWF tag team wrestling, you're right. I don't... I don't know. For me, hindsight, I don't... I The smoking guns, guns don't really do anything for me, and I know... I mean, honestly, I can say you're a bigger fan of Bart than I am. I, I don't know. I just... And I'm not trying to shit on what you're saying, but... The guns for me now... It's different. You know, back then I was like, oh, those are the WWF Tag Team Champions. They're cool. I don't I don't find myself particularly intrigued with the guns until 96 when they're about to split. That's fine. But I really enjoy the smoking guns. They did have Matt... Excuse me. They did have good matches with Owen and Bulldog. I'll say that. Like, I enjoy Billy Gunn, okay? And uh, people can say what they want to say about it, but as a pure wrestling match, mm-hmm. I'd rather watch Billy Gunn team with Bart Gunn than I'd rather watch Billy Gunn team with the Road Dog. Are they more charismatic together? And are they funnier because they're making like, oh, I got a, I got a inflatable dick. <laughs> That's funnier. But Billy Gunn and Road Dog teaming together is not a as as a athletically gifted tag team as. Billy Gunn and Bart Gunn teaming together to fight fucking Yokozuna and Owen Hart. Right. It doesn't tell me that same story. I'll agree with that. I would too. That's why I said it. So next on my list is Jimmy Del Rey, Dr. Tom Pritchard, The Heavenly Bodies. Heavenly Bodies. God damn it. (laughs) That's another team much like the Islanders that I think deserved a short, at least short run as heel tag team champions. Like, I'm going to be honest with everybody. I was hoping at SummerSlam 93, Aaron just talked about the smoking guns. 
I wanted the Heavenly Bodies to win those tag team championships. Those guys were a fantastic tag team. But Shawn Michaels said they were stinky. Yeah, well, they were stinky. That's fine. But I I, I almost put the Heavenly Bodies with uh, the Blue Bloods in that they were the working tag team that should have been the champs but were not. I'd agree. And I don't know if you have anything else on those guys, but I just, I love the Heavenly Bodies, both Smoky Mountain Wrestling and the WWF. And I think they're vastly underrated. And, um, I mean, honestly, they probably didn't get their chance because they were just, you know, somebody Vince was borrowing from Smoky Mountain to get Jim Cornette to be in the WWF. But, uh, I, I, those guys are great. Um, and, uh, yeah, I really like that tag team, and I, I, I fear that they are severely underrated. I agree. So who's next on your list? I have two teams left. And so do I. Done. The next team on my list is the British Bulldog and Owen Hart. I didn't put them on my list, not because I don't love them, but because I don't think they're underrated. I think they are. I think they get credit. I mean, I think people bring them up enough where I don't I don't believe that they are underrated as a tag team. I think that the, that, that they get enough love, you know? I, I don't know. And maybe you disagree. Maybe you don't see it like I do, but I think... I think they, I think they get enough love... As being personalities. But I don't think they get enough love as a tag team. But man, they were good. God. (laughs) Uh, Is there anything... I mean, I know I always say that the thing that makes me smile the most in wrestling is watching Eddie Guerrero. I say that consistently. But probably the second thing that makes me smile the most in, in watching wrestling is watching Owen and Bulldog. Like watching Owen run in front of Bulldog with his two slammies. And, yeah. and, you know, just Bulldog enjoying his fucking brother-in-law. Like, it almost brings a tear to your eye now. But, yeah. um, much like Eddie. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I again... And I'm not disagreeing with you, like, as far as them as a team. I just don't know. I think they get enough love where I don't... I just don't regard them as underrated. I think that they get enough credit. They do. Yeah? I think they're underrated. Alright. They are... We're never going to disagree on the fact that they're one of the best. Okay. So, my second to last, and I know this isn't on your list, so I know I'm not spoiling your number one. Okay. Number two for me is Paul London and Brian Kendrick. God damn it. The hooligans? Yes. I am a huge mark for both Paul London and Brian Kendrick and their team. I mean, yes, they had a year or something run as, as SmackDown tag team champions. 
But it was during a time where WWE was not focused on tag team wrestling. But I dare you to go back and watch any London Kendrick tag team title defense during that period, 2005-2006, and find me a bad fucking match. Because those two guys were fucking fire in that time. And they do not get enough credit for carrying the tag division in the 2005 era of the WWE. I love that team. Alright. And and some of the best matches I've ever seen involve London and Kendrick and um, Akio and whatever the fuck they were calling at that time. God damn it. Like one of my favorite matches ever is Paul London Paul London and Akio. And um <laughs> what? Oh. Okay. I got one more tag team. Yes, me too. Oh, you too? Me too. My number one, without a doubt, underrated tag team ever. Doesn't get enough attention. Is you too? No. It's uh, Christian and Edge. Or Bono and Edge. <laughs> anyway. I got one more... And Put your fucking passion into it. Don't yell at me. Put your fucking passion into it. Okay. <laughs> My last one would be um, Doug Furness and Philip Lafon. I think those guys, if the WWF would have been legit interested in them that Doug Furness and Philip Lafon could have been the biggest thing they ever had. I disagree. They were boring. Okay, you could say they're boring. They are. If the WWF would have went with them and made them they could have been the Steiner Brothers version for the WWF. You got this little guy that's sold off and fucking pissed, which would have been Lafon. Did you see their promos? I'm just saying. We are. If the WWF would have got behind them, Furnace and Lafon could have been a big fucking deal. I don't know. I... Well, nobody asked you. <laughs> what the fuck? There's two of us on a podcast. <laughs> I'm ready for bed. Michael nobody Herrick. Asked. Michael Herrick. <laughs> Save me. Nobody asked me. <laughs> Nobody asked Michael Herrick either. He needs to go to bed. <laughs> he might be listening to this at two in the afternoon, though. I don't give a fuck. I don't like I don't like Philip Lafon and Doug Furness. Guess who doesn't give a fuck either? 
Kenny Omega? Me. Because he's making a lot more money than I am because I can't wrestle. And I can't wrestle. All right, well, Mr. We Co-host. can't wrestle. Mr. Co-host, if you need to go to bed so bad, we're not going to debate this. Okay. <laughs> so we'll just go on to my number one underrated tag team of all time. Booker Your T, face, my Booker, ass. Booker T and Gold Dust. Oh, they're funny. Man, you talk about entertaining. Two good workers. Something that when it started, you were like, what the fuck is going on? And then when it ended, you were like, why the fuck did it end? <laughs> why didn't it go on more? Exactly. Those two guys are guys that got paired up because the you know the WWE <coughs> creative didn't have anything else for them, and boy oh boy did those show they show those motherfuckers what it is. Yeah. Man, like from the promos together to the matches together to the entrance together. Like watch their entrance at SummerSlam 2002. And tell me you don't feel passion for professional wrestling. Booker T and Goldust are the most unlikely team ever. And they are the most underrated team ever. Because they were fucking fantastic together. They were. And they're up there with Eddie, man. They make me smile. And, and Bulldog and Owen. God, it makes me smile. So Aaron has to work tomorrow, so we're going to let him go okay. have some sleepy time. Yeah. But we want to thank everybody for, everybody for joining us here on the We Can't Wrestle podcast this week. <laughs> it was a great show, I think. Possibly. Possibly. Look at this, this mofo. Okay. Come on. Turn stuff off. All right, Aaron, you leave us. And we are going to let everybody else go to. Thank you for joining us on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And we will see you next week for another edition. I don't know what the topic's going to be. It doesn't matter. Because it's going to be great. Aaron, say hasta la vista, motherfuckers. Hasta la vista, motherfuckers. All right. And, and hang maybe up. our topic will be um, great Hispanic midget wrestlers. <laughs> See. That traveled the sea. All right. Adios. Adios, amigos. And thank you for joining us this week on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Aaron signing off. And we will see you next time for the greatest wrestling podcast you can possibly imagine. Oh, did you hear that? Aaron just hung up on my ass. This motherfucker.
I don't want to. I don't want to leave the show with an f bomb. Thank you for joining me and Aaron for the We Can't Wrestle podcast. We will see you next week for whatever topic we discuss is going to be. And don't forget to check out our friends at the Asylum, the Era, the CWF Wrestling Legends Fan Fest in Florida, and everybody else that supports this show. Thank you for joining us. That's it. The We Can't Wrestle podcast is in the books for this week. And we'll see you next week, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much.